Welcome to the Literature to Think About podcast, in which myself, Trent McQuaid, and my co-host, Taraja Ames and Logan Rutwork talk about and analyze literature. Today, we will be discussing a book titled The Truth About Stories, a Native Narrative, written by Thomas King. We will give highlights to the book, discuss the purpose of the book, and dive into a rhetorical and critical analysis of the book as well. Warning, there are spoilers. Hello, my name is Logan Rockport. I'm 17. I'm a junior. Hi, I'm Taraja Ames. I am 17 and a junior. And I am Trent McQuaid. I'm 17 and I'm a junior as well at Marist Catholic. Now, going into the overview of this book, the book details how important stories are to us, our future children, and our ancestors. They're a way of passing down culture from one generation to the next, a rite of passage to most, but often these stories, if they're not written down, they get lost. It's often with oral stories that they get changed little by little over generation over generation. And the author, King, highlights this. I think this is important to realize that not all historical literature or even records might be accurate. I think that's why there's a lot of debate about religion itself and all of that jazz. Now going more into the book, he first starts off with religion and how stories like the Bible, yes, he calls them stories and lies of our creation how they shape our lives around us today and influence our actions on a daily basis, what we tell ourselves, how society is formed, etc. Next, he goes into what actual Indians are supposed to look like. He talks about a photographer who looks for authentic Indians who portray the cowboys and Indians stereotype. I think this goes to show that we're often led to believe things that aren't particularly true and when we lack the inability to critically think and question the source of our material we can fall to misinformation and misconceptions in the next chapter he gets in the next chapter he gets he gives a lecture about stories and literature He deals with some personal issues about being mistreated compared to others in his field. He's also disregarded not only by the whites around him and other kinds of people, he's disregarded by people of his own kind. He's considered not to be an authentic Indian. In the fourth story, Thomas King compares oral stories versus written. This brings up the irony of how this book itself is a written story. However, the text itself is from an oral story. I think it goes to show that without having the ability to have the storyteller, it lacks the ability to reach many. In the fourth chapter, Thomas King objects to the idea that oral stories are less important than written. In the fifth chapter, Thomas King details the struggles with which Indians have faced since the arrival of Christopher Columbus and the legal battles with which they've had to fought about whether they're actually Indian or not. Overall, he emphasizes stories are all we have and stories must survive to keep our culture alive. Now, personally, I thought the book was very good, very entertaining. It's filled with jokes, and the stories keep the reader, myself, wanting more and more and more. He was able to not only tell deep and entertaining stories, but he was able to bring the purpose and meaning out of each of those stories at the end of each chapter, giving myself some food for thought. What did you guys think of it? I thought it was a really interesting book, especially just the way that he talked about how he felt and his identity as native and living in a society that a lot of times forces Native Americans to conform. I think that 
it was, it's really important. Uh, the book is really important because it really helps shine a light on native culture and the way that oral tradition really does play a huge part in that culture. Yeah, uh, I'd have to agree with both of you on that. Like Trent said, he mixes humor in with a more deeper kind of serious tone of literature and how native culture has been affected and everything. So those were my thoughts. Do you guys think other people should read it? Yeah, I definitely think people should. I think that... What do you say for those who don't like to read books often? I'll take this one. Um, If you don't read books often, this will probably be a hard read for you. But I think if you can push through it, you'll find that you'll quickly get interested as he goes on little by little. I kind of actually have to disagree with that. It's relatively a small book. It's less than 200 pages. Decent sized text. Um, I mean, really, if you don't like reading just listen to the audiobook or listen to it on youtube i mean that's probably a better option honestly yeah exactly it just depends on really who you are yeah no i didn't think about that but you're right no worries now we're going to go into addressing the key ideas and issues about the book now i think this book certain as i mentioned before it gives us a lot of food for thought from thomas king while we're at first entertained by these stories then the deeper meaning comes out of each of them causing us to either agree or disagree with some of the things he may say and some of the stances he takes now the i think the primary purpose of the book is not only to define what an Indian is and is not legally and in real life but it's also to emphasize that oral stories are important and oral stories allow culture to survive and stories are all that we have. He iterates that many times. What are some other key ideas and issues? Well one idea that I took from it is that oftentimes stories can be part of a person or group's identity. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes because it just gives background to just background about that person or group and kind of shows why they are the way they are. Why there may be a group in the first place? Yeah, or if that person you know behaves a particular way. Exactly. Sorry. Go ahead. I think that also the stories that they, the culture passes down and that King really talks about are really what's keeping the culture like authentic. He talks a lot about the difference between like, or the way society sees Native Americans, as a lot of them are not really what they would expect them to look like or act like. I think the stories really like bind them to where they came from. I think it also details the racism which he has dealt with through his life and it offers a a unique perspective for those who haven't encountered that in their lives and for those who haven't been an Indian and haven't been in his shoes. offers a way for us to not only understand but maybe even to have empathy for him. And I think it's a creative way of keeping the reader, the audience engaged while they're reading his book. Yeah, that is one of the things I noticed too. A lot of, he does definitely mention a lot about racism that he experienced a lot just throughout his life and just the way that he was treated like really poorly compared to the people he was working with. And yeah. It just really highlighted that a lot. Now, I think maybe like a common goal, if we had to take one thing out of this book, I mean, I'm going to break this down into multiple sections, but it's that 
issues they've dealt with throughout history, not only being killed both on purpose and by accident, by having their lands stripped away from them, having the trees broken with them. They've just faced a constant onslaught in the past past couple centuries. And he not only highlights this, but he highlights how the potential of Indians in general in Canada, at least in the legal sense, have the potential to die out. And I think his intention as an author is not only to bring to light what Indians have to deal with, but it's maybe to maybe not so much as have the reader take action, but more for the reader to understand. I think understanding's the big purpose of the book. What do you guys think? I think also what you were talking about earlier when you are talking about the way that they're treated very badly by just colonists and people in general in North America. I think one of the big issues also, not just like how they're physically killed and forced off their land, but I think a lot of the time, like they're like the natives were like being like their culture was being killed. Like the people who were settling in America were, they were forcing them out physically, but they're also trying to take away their culture. Exactly. Like I remember in history class, we were learning about how the goal of some white men was to kill the Indian and save the man and to assimilate Indians into, I guess, into white culture. Can you only imagine if the roles were swapped and Indians were trying to, I guess, do that to white people? It's also very similar to, it does highlight a lot of the same issues in the absolutely true Diary of Part-Time Indian, that book. I think oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. that book yeah. also highlights a lot of how they're being forced into like, like North American culture by the settlers. And even now, it's hard for them to be authentic. And I think stories are what's really keeping them to their culture. Exactly. It's like what your parents pass down from generation to generation. Obviously, some things get lost, but they do their best, or sometimes they're not even there. In the case of Thomas King, he talks about how he has he struggles, maybe not so struggles, but how he deals without growing up without a father. How do you guys think that impacted him as an author? Well, that's a good I- question. I think that it would be, I think it would be even harder for him than it already was because he already was having to deal with the fact that he was one dealing with a lot of racism and being just not understood by society, but also just that there's an idea that Native Americans have to be, they have to look authentic and act like like people expect them all over the world people just assume that's what they'd be like mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard for him to have to navigate that himself growing mm-hmm. up you know for sure for sure yeah now we've discussed why these ideas matter to the author and how this storytelling is important to him for i guess others to be impacted by the stories Maybe not so as much as he talks about to take action, but he wants people to have at least heard and listened to them. I think intently, and like not distracted, like on their phones, like I know a bunch of millennials would be. Now, his, 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 uh, I want to say his purpose to readers is to, um, at least yet again, inform them. And then maybe even do as much as to inspire them to maybe make a change in their lives or even make a change in others' lives. Now, to others, to those who haven't read the book or don't even know who Thomas King is, that goes and ties into, I think, the reader and what the reader decides to do about what they've learned from this book. And it goes to, I guess, maybe a snowball effect if, say, if, a million people in the United States read this book, how many of them would take action, you know, and what kind of effects would that see in their local community? Well, I think also a lot of it, the more widespread understanding is like 
it'd be easier for Native Americans because it's kind of a two, it's like bad on both sides. One, they're expected to be seen as authentic and act like people would expect them, but they're also being forced to conform to a culture that's not theirs. So they're kind of being just like torn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a give no quarter situation. I mean, like Logan said, you have one side of the scale and then the other, and the, the natives are kind of caught in the middle, and they're trying to figure out what exactly is the middle ground where everything's perfect. But then they find out nothing is really ever that perfect, so they just have to kind of stay to one side or the other. I think Thomas King highlights in multiple chapters, I guess, the gross inequalities between white and Indians, but the way with which they've been treated, how they've had their, specifically their land is typically, let's call it a reservation, and it's typically a desert. It's barren land nobody wants to live on. I know they often have high poverty rates, high alcoholism, and high suicidal rates. And he addresses multiple of these concepts within the book. And I think this might be earth shattering to some in just general knowledge to others. But I think it's important, I guess, for other people to know that Indians don't just get a free pass at life. I think that might be a common misconception people have. Yeah, because Native Americans are actually treated even to this day, not very well in terms of like fun, like in how, where they have to live and stuff. And like you said, high poverty rates and they don't really get a lot of help from, they do have protection with the reserves, but other than that, they're kind of just not really helped out a lot. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, most of their living conditions are similar to like what you'd call like, remote ghetto areas of big cities like you know not very big housing and everyone's just working to live and get by on each day with the past with the COVID-19 pandemic causing almost 40 million Americans to become unemployed at one point in the past year and it certainly put a lot of stress and divide on our nation I wonder how that's affected not only minorities in general, but Native Americans and life on reservations. And how helpful was the uh, $1,200 stimulus in what did the stimulus bill lack that could have been more essential to these rural areas? Obviously, we don't have the expertise to answer this, but we think it's good food for thought. Is there anything else you guys would like to say about the purpose, the key ideas, what you guys thought about the book? I just thought it was good overall. Pretty much the same. This is the critical analysis section where we critically analyze the book and the rhetorical devices in it. There's a story I know. It's about the earth and how it floats in space on the back of a turtle. This is repetition, and it appears on page 121, 61, 91, and 121 at the start of each chapter. On page 25, there's comparison and dichotomy when King writes, strong, weak, right, wrong, culture, nature, success, failure, written, oral, and compares these words. King uses repetition at the start of each chapter to then lead into other stories about his life and to explain how important stories are. And he consistently uses it at the start of each chapter before leading on to other stories. And for his repetition at the beginnings and ends of these chapters is to drill into the reader's mind the importance of written stories. It's not only seen throughout the title of the book, through his storytelling through written literature, but I think the repetition adds lo- another layer of emphasis that draws the reader to maybe pay attention more at the beginning of each chapter. In the fourth chapter of the book, Thomas King poses a rhetorical question of the reader, quote, 
So just how would we manage a universe in which the attempt to destroy evil is seen as a form of insanity, unquote. This poses the idea that we're often criticized for criticizing evil, not only in the world around us, but in stories as well. I think when something when people hold something so close to their heart and when someone dares to criticize it, it sparks deep emotions and whether or not that matter is evil, the person who is objecting to the subject matter can face a lot of criticism. And leading this to where we, in many cases, conscious or unconscious, can lead to defending evil and where we defend evil and where we can condemn it I think one of the reasons why it is so hard to condemn evil when it involves a group that we care about and that we do not wish to disagree with is it's the fear of missing out, the fear of being ostracized from said group and being left out. We do not want to risk the emotional value of being left out from a group or person whom we value. So we often ignore or we yeah we flat out ignore the evil that might be involved for example uh schools and bullying like you might be in a friend group with somebody and they might be a bully and you ignore that because you care more about your friendship with them than the i guess the shit you care more about your friendship with them than how they treat others. Thomas King's purpose is to highlight the evil that is in the world around us, including in stories, specifically those of native and Christian ones. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have anything to say about that? Yeah. On your point about how it's sometimes hard to really call out or acknowledge that evil like exist in a group that you're a part of is it you're like so connected to those people like the example you use with people who would be bullies but you're friends with them so you value their friendship and connection to them more than standing up for the evil is it you're kind of like blinded by your friendship to them and like connection to them you would rather just keep that and just like kind of not look at what they do to like say a part of that instead of standing up for the evil is actually happening. I'd also like to point out another rhetorical tool in the first chapter of the book. Near the end, Thomas King poses yet another rhetorical question. Quote, what if the creation story in Genesis had featured a flawed deity who was understanding and sympathetic rather than autocratic and rigid? Unquote. I think this is within the context of how... This is within the context of the comparison between the creation story of some Native Americans and of Christians. And it shows the contrasting ways in which the reader or listener, in this case maybe how they may understand the characters in the story, how they act between each other and the roles with which they play. Often with these stories, they can often be life lessons for the readers or listeners, and this can determine how one may act in the future. The intentionality is to draw the contrast between the Native American creation story of Charm and the Christian creation story of Genesis, and how these stories use characters, uh, purpose, and their interactions between one another. He highlights that in Genesis, God is autocratic and he draws a comparison to somebody that we would think of as a dictator. And this is obviously someone who is frowned upon. And I think it causes us to think that maybe if God had different characteristics, maybe we would think of him in a different light and we'd leave our, we'd lead our lives lives in a different light. The purpose of this rhetorical question is really 
to <laughs> the purpose of this rhetorical question is for the reader to consider a possible alternative reality in which the world may be influenced by a more democratic leader than a dictator. Does anyone else have anything to add on? I think that the way you compared the two stories with the Christian creation story obviously being a lot more like one person is in charge, kind of like the way you explain that, whereas the native creation story it seems like everyone's involved more like you're kind of compare that to a democratic society i think that really just like compares the two and it does offer like a good thing to like food for thought about if things were different how like what we've always been taught to think about creation story what how it would be different Mm -hmm. i saw a rhetorical subject I noticed was on page 111 King writes or he says but you don't need native writers to tell you that grab a copy of Moby Dick and consider the saga of Captain Ahab wrapped in rage as he roams the oceans in search of a great white whale accomplishing little more than the destruction of the ship and crew or turn on your television and watch a vengeful United States burdened with the arms of war bomb the world into goodness and supply-side capitalism, destroying American honor and credibility in the process. Uh, The rhetorical uh, tools used here are metaphors and personification of evil. Uh, King's intention is to show that uh, he's not saying evil does not exist or, uh, yeah, just it does not exist. He's saying that trying to get rid of it or destroy it, even ignore it, is an attempt that often risks disaster. And Moby Dick or the United States entering the, uh, I believe it's Iraq war he's talking about, those two things are metaphors for how evil can often, if you try to avoid it, it can often turn into a disaster far worse than it already is. Yeah, I think it's important to address evil in the moment before it has the chance to cause greater underlying effects. It's kind of like, almost like coronavirus. If we could have, you know, taken or had certain other governments take more drastic measures earlier, maybe we wouldn't be leaving in a quarantine right now. We could actually go to well, school. Another thing on that is it goes back to what Trump was saying earlier about how it's really hard sometimes to see the evil that a group you're a part of is doing. And I think the way he uses those metaphors, especially like with the United States and how they're, you know, starting conflict and it's really evil. It's like, sometimes it's really hard as someone who's living in a society to like face the evils that society is committing. And it's just easier to just, turn your back to it and not really think about it even though you might very well know that it's happening yeah yeah and you know the war he's talking about i think this book was written in early 2000s i believe like 2005 so you know that's around the iraq war so he's definitely talking about that whole you know the whole controversiality of that uh war um, and the second rhetorical thing I noticed was it's kind of linking back to what Logan said at the beginning uh, with repetition, but it's with a different phrase that uh, King says in almost the beginning of every chapter, I believe, the truth about stories is that's all that we are. He repeats this multiple times, I think, to match with the title of his book, The Truth About Stories, and he uses it to reiterate that stories give an identity to a person or group. And I believe we touched on that earlier in the podcast, but, you know, just bring that back into this. He definitely wants the reader to understand that and his repetition definitely, I think, comes across to help understand that. Yeah. And on the, uh, critical analysis side of that um, the truth about stories is that that's all we are 
which is on page 92, it really highlights the importance of stories in the Native American culture and to King himself. And also, like Roger said, is really reinforce the idea that our lives and identities are just built around stories and our experiences and what we've heard. And one of the biggest things I would say about stories is that from when we're really young, we're told stories and we hear stuff and we experience them ourselves and they really develop our outlook on the world and who we become and as we grow up. This is the relative start of the critical analysis portion of this podcast. My second critical analysis is on page nine when King writes, stories are wondrous things and they're dangerous. This statement is really just showing how stories can be very good and can in some ways preserve a culture and evolve over time and really become important to people and their identities. But at the same time, they can also be dangerous because if we believe stories that aren't true or aren't really good for us, then our the way we're going to be shaped in our identities and the way we look at the world and believe. Uh, do you agree with this statement? Uh, I definitely do. I think that stories are, well, they're always a part of our lives and they're really important for how we're, you know, brought up and the way we see the world. But I think at the same time, they're also, you can't always necessarily trust what you hear and a lot of times they change and they're not necessarily true and that could negatively affect our outlook. And It is, quote, the lie that we dangle in front of our appetites as we chase, as we chase progress to the grave, unquote. This is in regards to his previous statement, quote, God's chosen people alpha and omega masters of the universe unquote and this is referencing the i guess central ideas that we hold of religion and how we are followers of a deity i misled the whole time exactly it's like a double-edged sword especially with the information that we have released on the internet and through cable news today where it's very polarized for seven yeah and definitely very biased specified to a specific target audience that often is rarely open to listening to the other side in argument so it's definitely important that misinformation is regulated or at least addressed and acknowledged so people can understand how to better prevent themselves from spreading that misinformation and understanding the truth. Yeah. Now, this argument is presented by the author Thomas King, correct? Do you think this is a credible individual? I definitely do, especially coming from someone who has lived um, he's obviously Native American and he's experienced a lot of these stories are coming from him himself and I think that he definitely knows firsthand how stories can be very important to a culture and someone's identity but also can be dangerous to them if they're misleading them how do you think uh, personal biases have impacted his storytelling throughout the book? I think that example. the especially the stories that he mixes in with the creation story and other stories that he brings up throughout the book that are native stories, I think that those are very important because those are part of his culture. But I think that also his personal stories, he could be coming from a point of view of living firsthand as a Native American and dealing with a lot of the issues that he brings up in the book. And I think that from his perspective, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say there's a lot of bias as much as there is just him being living that himself. Okay. Do you agree with this, Taraj? Um, I think so. I mean, I noticed 
parts of bias in the book, but not necessarily relating to the passage that Logan picked out. Would you say that bias is significant? Not significant, but it does a it does appear, and you can kind of tell that it is it is kind of a one side one sided view or something. But he doesn't touch on it a lot, so I don't think it has a huge impact on the story as much. But it is noticeable. I would have to agree, and I think this. With given the information that he has a PhD in Native American studies, he's lived the life, he's talked the talk, walked mm-hmm. the walk. I think we can agree that he is a credible source himself yeah. for a lot of this information. Yeah, I agree. Does his argument uh, against misinformation change your point of view at all or convince you to do something you? Hadn't done well, previously. in like my personal life, that's what you're refer- are you referring to like personal life? Uh, I would definitely yes. say that it's important to look at both sides and not necessarily just believe everything you see because it is. It even relates kind of back to what we were talking about earlier about how it's hard to see evil when you're in a group. I think that when you're in a target audience for a lot of news stories and things that are on the internet that may not necessarily be true. If you're convinced that they're true and you believe that it is really hard to see a different perspective. And I think that's something I could definitely work on because it's really hard to acknowledge the other side when you're just so caught up in stuff that might not, that may be misleading itself, but it's, it's really hard to see that. Also, like to point out here that in the book, he points out how he wants to be more Indian so he can fit in even with his own people. Now, I feel like he avoids doing that in this book, more or less. He avoids being over Indian, but he gives, I would say, he, he, he conveys his stories in a way that is easy for everyone to understand and isn't he doesn't really use much cloak colloquial language therefore i i think he is self-aware about his biases and the words he uses in these stories and this furthermore supports his credibility Alright. The purpose of this portion of criticizing religion for what it is and what it is not it is for the reader to, I think it is for the reader to question their own religion, their own beliefs and it's to highlight how we live our lives and how religion plays a part in that. The target audience for this portion of the text, I believe, is religious people. So the author's argument is that religion is not only flawed, but has room for improvement. And I think that Thomas King here, he's not as credible. I, I don't know how much he's studied morals and social psychology. However... I would have to personally agree with this argument that religion is flawed and I think it would be better maybe if the creation story was slightly different and it didn't have like a uh, and if the creation story didn't have a dictator in a sense maybe maybe I'm wrong I could maybe changing religion story could be worse for society I'm I'm not sure. Does the books can does the book convince you guys on changing any of your views about religion? I think that it definitely offers offers different perspectives. I think, especially with the creation story, I think that he really starts out with that because it just shows the contrast between two different cultures. Like you have a Christian idea of 
the creation story and the native idea, and it just shows the difference between them. And I think I think it is really trying to tell us that we should be open minded about different religions and that there are different stories and to just think about how they're different and kind of how that what our how our beliefs would change if we were open to those ideas. Drawing upon that, you say how a lot of our creation stories are different. I think while that is true, I think the opposite is true as well. While maybe factually and maybe characterly overall, we have different creation stories throughout society and cultures around the world. Who knows how many we even have, but I know that a lot of them are in fact quite similar to one another. So I wonder if it's almost a way for each culture to treat their young life lessons and it's a way for the young to learn. Stop. I wonder if the creation story of Genesis had it been different like Thomas King previously suggested would cause us to still be like we are today in regards to religion and how we live our lives in a religious aspect. While a lot of religions around the world may be different from one another, they often may teach similar or the same purpose in each of their stories. Our argument is that religion is not only flawed, but has room for improvement. And I think that Thomas King here, he's not as credible. I, I don't know how much he's studied morals and social psychology. However, I would have to personally agree with this argument that religion is flawed. And I think it would be better maybe if the creation story was slightly different and it didn't have like a... Uh, and if the creation story didn't have a dictator in a sense, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I could maybe changing religion story could be worse for society. I'm I'm not sure. Does the books can does the book convince you guys on changing any of your views about religion? I think that it definitely offers offers different perspectives. I think, especially with the creation story. I think that he really starts out with that because it just shows the contrast between two different cultures. Like you have the Christian idea of the creation story and the native idea. And it just shows the difference between them. And I think, I think it is really trying to tell us that we should be open-minded about different religions and that there are different stories and to just think about how they're different and, kind of how that what our power beliefs would change if we were open to those ideas drawing upon that you say how a lot of our creation stories are different i think while that is true i think the opposite is true as well while maybe factually and maybe characterly overall we have different creation stories throughout society and cultures around the world who knows how many we even have, but I know that a lot of them are in fact quite similar to one another. So I wonder if it's almost a way for each culture to treat their young. Now regarding my second uh, portion of the book, I would like to highlight for critical analysis. It's in the second chapter on page 56 it's regarding the discrimination with which thomas king has faced during his life as a native american this context is when he is questioned by a panel of other native americans in regards to getting his phd quote and the joke if there is one is that most of the committee couldn't pass this test either for these questions were not designed to measure academic potential or to ensure diversity, 
they were designed to exclude. Paragraphs earlier, a group, a committee of Native Americans had questioned uh, Mr. King's uh, Native history and his quote-unquote credentials. It's this emphasis and this idea of exclusion through his own people that really spoke out to me. It's this idea of being excluded by your own people that I wonder how often people are criticized and discriminated from people who are even like themselves. I wonder if regarding in terms of social groups where we care often more about keeping them the same way they've always been and with the fear of change, we go to the extreme of excluding and discrimination against others. I also thought this was a unique perspective that discrimination is not only between white and black and Indian, but it's between Indians and Indians, where one is maybe not, quote, like a real Indian, whereas the other is. King goes into, King dives into this idea later in the book about what makes a, quote, real Indian, unquote, both legally and non-legal. So audience when addressing this is, I think, quite frankly, not only Indians who discriminate from others or people who discriminate to anyone, but as just to people all around the world or anyone who reads this book to be more inclusive and to be less. What the committee thinks considers, I wonder what the committee that reviewed Mr. King's application for a PhD considers to be quote-unquote authentic Indian. I wonder why they're so de- divisive about who becomes a certified PhD and who doesn't. I wonder why they uh, almost hold so much power and why this, I guess, this idea of power corrupts them so much. I question why uh, Thomas King couldn't have gone to another committee to get his PhD. Is that even possible? I wonder um, who else has faced discrimination like this from their own people and considered not authentic or real enough, not being accepted in your homeland, being turned to an outsider from being turned to an outsider and not having an identity to turn to. I think it's this idea of identity that Mr. King addresses many times in this book is something that at times he struggles with, not only for himself, but for himself to tell others. Um, The argument is that he faced discrimination and the Okay, the goal of the committee was to exclude. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think that they, like you said, they're kind of keeping him out because they don't think that he's really like like them. And I think that it's hard for King because he's kind of caught in between this, what he's meant to be, according to the committee, and who he really is, and they don't see him as like them. And I think they're, you know, trying to keep him out because they don't necessarily believe that he's fully like them. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, mm-hmm. too. So, overall, to recap, uh, discrimination comes from... The purpose of this passage is to highlight how discrimination is not what we always think it is, and it can come from unexpected places. And so, also regard regarding this this idea of identity, the irony is that the title of the chapter is quote 
you're not the Indian I had in mind, unquote. And I think this goes back to the idea that not all Indians are the same, not all white white people are the same, not all black people are the same, and we're all, I guess, sort of on a spectrum. And But I think we often think of each other as lines on a spectrum that can't possibly differ at all, that were set values, like in math, and we don't have the possibility to be outside of that set value. I think it's quite limiting to think this way. And another purpose of this is to encourage the reader to think in a new way of other people and what we consider them to be. And it's an intent by the lawmakers to strip Native Americans of their land and to take any rights that they may have had through generation through gener- through generation to generation. And King highlights this where it's predicted by some analysts that I think about, what was it, 70 years? That in Canada, uh, there won't legally be any Indians? Yeah, and I, that sound it just shows that the government is really, like, trying to, like, take, take away their culture, take away even, in that sense, like, their rights as, you know, being legal. And it's like... They're, that's why I think it's so that's why they value like staying as a part of the culture fully as like such a big thing because if you leave it's almost like they're losing another person to the effort by the government to you know kill the culture exactly and I think this is why this goes back to the point of why these stories are so important is it's a part of culture themselves and without these stories their culture will exactly. be lost in a sense obviously since not every not everybody can read and write especially in the older days when education was i guess when education was less common in these regards oral stories were some of the only ways information that's why it's so important to their culture because and, they don't really have a lot there may like there might not be written documents written stories so that's why it's so important to them just the stories to keep their culture alive yeah yeah also like Taraj's point how uh, how I believe King also highlights this how other cultures have had the same disenfranchisement of their history brought upon them where first I think it was Indians, then it's Chicano people, Mexican Americans, Japanese, Irish, Chinese. I mean, this is just a common trend we've seen within this country. And I think it's also important that to remember that we were all immigrants yeah, once. Yeah. And, and it's just uh, sad because like, the Native yeah. Americans, you know, they were here before us. And it's just sad to see how, like, now they're treated. Like, I feel like with the expansion of, you know, European colonization and, you know, they were, it's one thing they already, you know, pushed them out of their lands, you know, but now they're trying to take away their culture. And it seems like they were once, you know, they were the people here and no one else was here. And now they're the ones who are, like, fighting to, you know, keep their culture alive while the government's actively or has actively been trying to, you know, just kill it. It seems like with whatever laws or treaties that maybe that may have been written down, it really comes down to those whom are in power and who are elected. And that starts with, at least in the de- democracy that this country is, it starts with what the general population of this country thinks and what the representatives of the population think. So having these ideas and conceptions about Native Americans clarified and to, I guess, give, to allow the average person to become more educated about Native culture so they can make 
better decisions about their uh, opinions politically. I, I, I don't know if that's a good way to phrase it, but essentially the book has a political impact as well to what the average Joe may think and what their politician yeah. may think as well. Yeah, for sure. I think it is also just one of the things I noticed is that like, it's just, yeah, I mean, you're right about that. It's like the country has to, I think that the, the book is really important because it gives insight to the way that Native Americans are treated and the way that they're like really trying to keep their stories alive and have identity. And I think that it shows that firsthand, but it also gives a lot of insight into just like why stories are so important to everyone. For sure. And it's an intent by the lawmakers to strip Native Americans of their land and to take any rights that they may have had through generation through gener- through generation to generation and king highlights this where it's predicted by some analysts that i think about what was it 70 years that in canada uh there won't legally be any indians yeah and i so it just that shows right? that the government is really like trying to like take take away their culture take away even in that sense like their rights as you know being legal and it's like they're that's why i think it's so that's why they value like staying as a part of the culture fully as like such a big thing because if you leave it's almost like they're losing another person to the effort by the government to you know kill the culture Exactly. And I think this is why this goes back to the point of why these stories are so important is it's a part of culture themselves. And without these stories, their culture will exactly. be lost in a sense. Obviously, since not every not everybody can read and write, especially in the older days when education was, I guess, when education was less common in these regards, Oral stories were some of the only ways information. That's why it's so important to their culture because and they don't really have a lot. They may like there might not be written documents, written stories. So that's why it's so important to them, just the stories to keep their culture alive. Yeah, yeah. Also, like to Rush's point, how how I believe King also highlights this, how other cultures have had the same disenfranchisement of their history brought upon them, where first, I think it was Indians, then it's Chicano people, Mexican-Americans, Japanese, Irish, Chinese. I mean, this is just a common trend we've seen within this country. And I think it's also important that to remember that we were all immigrants yeah, once yeah. and and it's just uh, sad because like, the native yeah. americans you know they were here before us and it's just sad to see how like the, now they're treated like i feel like with the expansion of you know european colonization and you know they were it's one thing they already you know push them out of their lands, you know, but now they're trying to take away their culture. And it seems like they were once, you know, they were the people here and no one else was here. And now they're the ones who are like fighting to, you know, keep their culture alive while the government's actively or has actively been trying to, you know, just kill it. It seems like with whatever laws or trees that maybe that may have been written down, it really comes down to those who are in power and who are elected. And that starts with, at least in the democracy that this country is, it starts with what the general population of this country thinks and what the representatives of the population think. So having these ideas and conceptions about Native Americans clarified and to, I guess, give 
to allow the average person to become more educated about Native culture so they can make better decisions about their uh, opinions politically. I, I don't know if that's a good way to phrase it, but essentially the book has a political impact as well to what the average Joe may think and what their politician yeah. may think as well. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it's also just one of the things I noticed is that like, it's just, yeah, I mean, you're right about that. It's like the country has to, I think that the, the book is really important because it gives insight to the way that Native Americans are treated and the way that they're like really trying to keep their stories alive and have identity. And I think that it shows that firsthand, but it also gives a lot of insight into just like why stories are so important to everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that brings us to the end of our rhetorical and critical analysis. Um, since we're wrapping it up, let's go into some takeaways and thoughts from this book. Sounds good. So, for me, I really liked the stories that King provided, and I also just liked the structure of how he mixed in his personal experience, but also just the struggles that a lot of Native Americans go through just every day and throughout their lives of having to fight to keep their identity alive. It is important to learn about your history and your cultural past, to learn about who your ancestors were, what they did, and how you got to where you are in life today. I myself have gone down the path of doing genealogy through talking to my parents, family members, etc., but also doing Ancestry.com and the history of my ancestors, where they came from, but more importantly, like, what am I? You know, I think this idea of personal identity is important to everybody. Now, myself being 116th Native American, while I may not have many physical connections to my tribe or my culture through relatives and the physical location as they are located in Washington and I'm in Oregon, I've been able to experience local programs that offers the ability for Indian people to learn about general native culture. And no matter whether you're white, brown, black, or whatever, I think it's definitely important for us to revisit our history and understand where we came from and use that to decide and determine where we're going to go. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think that's really important too. I think that also a lot of family tracing and genealogy in native culture is through stories. King talks, like mentions multiple times that stories are all that we are. I think that that really just shows that like stories are really important, especially to that culture mm-hmm. and just the, the tradition of keeping those stories alive. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, since we're in America, it is important to know like native culture and history and stuff. So we don't get so focused on the melting pot of culture. America is today but we look back at how the natives and whites interacted and their whole storyline up to this day. Exactly. If one thing sticks with you from this entire podcast, think about this. The living history of any culture is important to be maintained through oral stories, as this is the only way to prevent it from only existing in history books. Before you go, we have some special offers for our devoted listeners of this podcast, we would like to thank our sponsors, Marist Catholic College Prep- Preparatory High School and Mr. Ferrari, our English teacher, for providing us great education and the ability to create this podcast. They've been so generous to us. They've offered a discount code for us and our listeners. For 10% extra credit on your next assignment, use code Ferrari when you submit it to Schoology. That is www.schoology.com. 
on behalf of the Literature to Think About podcast crew of Taraja Ames and Logan Rutwork, myself included, Trent McQuaid, who would like to thank you for listening and for you to have a good rest of your day and to think critically about what you read. Or listen on YouTube. Thank you. All right, thanks. Thank mm-hmm. you.